and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, final hour of the show live from the Auction Community Studios. And uh, pleased to be joined right now to talk a little football. Wolf, what better person to talk some football with than the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, Jonathan Gannon, joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. Jonathan, thank you for the time. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing excellent. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good, Coach. Thanks for we haven't us. We haven't talked since, like, February, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, been it's, it's been a while. a little while, yeah. Uh, all right, well, let's, let's start with the draft and draft night. And draft night went pretty well for the Cardinals uh, and all the way through the weekend. But it did start with uh, the agreement with the Eagles over tampering charges, and I know that you were, were there for that. What can you tell us about that situation? Yeah, guys, I appreciate the question. You know, I know Monty addressed it, but basically similar to what Monty said. Obviously, it was a mistake, and we own that. Um, you know, right after the NFC Championship game, Monty had reached out, you know, and congratulated us, and he's been to a couple Super Bowls, so gave me a little heads up of what that looks like, and, you know, basically just said, hey, look, we're going through a coaching search right now, as you know, as you know, and uh, didn't know the timing that everything was going to take place and basically asked if I was interested if the timing, you know, prolonged after the Super Bowl that if I would be interested to interview. And I said, yeah. And um, so, um, you know, again, I know it was a mistake, but we resolved it and uh, we're moving on. And you self-reported, did you not, Coach? I'm sorry? You self-reported as well, right? We did. Yes. We did. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then, um, the you know, the NFL handled it how they handled it, and the two teams came to an agreement. And, uh, you know, again, you guys, uh, you know, it's a mistake. And uh, But I feel good about how it was resolved. And, you know, like I said, we're moving on. Well, from that point on, and we're talking to Cardinals head coach Jonathan Gannon, the draft was uh, was a whirlwind. Monty Ostenfort's first draft as a GM, and he, he moves down in the first round. He moves back up in the first round. He gets some capital for next year. He gets Paris Johnson Jr. just overall coming out of that draft uh, with your first as, as Cardinals head coach and his first as Cardinals GM how did you feel about the process yeah it was awesome you guys that was you know that was my first time to be in that room the entire time being a first time head coach and uh, just to see that process and how it played out and um, you know Monty and his staff did an excellent job and I'll be honest you guys I was getting a little nervous we were on the clock and he had three phone calls going and uh, I didn't know exactly how that worked I said oh boy we're we're less than two minutes here. It felt like a two-minute drill. But, um, yeah, they, you know, he was very adaptable and and had, you know, a couple different plans of action, what he wanted to do, and uh, just extremely fortunate to watch that. And, uh, you know, the, the everybody that had input into that entire process and my, my and his staff obviously did an excellent job. Yeah, J.G., speaking of input right there, how much input did you have on draft day? Were you there, and how much input did you you have yeah I was there I was there uh, we we had already you know leading up for those couple months since since I was hired you know that's immediately you start talking about acquisition and you know you start talking about free agent acquisition and you know then you start talking about the draft and uh, so we had conversations daily about uh, different things and different people and different players and here's what we're thinking this is what we want to do and you know what, what I was really uh, really really pleased with is you never know how the board's going to fall 
But um, the guys that we picked, the nine draft picks that we picked, and then we signed 10 free agents, all of them are high, high character. And that was extremely important to me. You know, you never know what guys, when they come in, how it's going to turn out. Um, it's our job to coach them up. But uh, I know this, we didn't miss on their character. They're all team first guys. They're all competitors. And uh, really excited to get them in the building in a couple weeks and get them ready to work. Talking to Cardinals head coach Jonathan Gannon. Uh, coach, you take Paris Johnson Jr. with that first round pick. You addressed offensive line again a little bit later on in the draft. How, how much of a priority was that for you specifically, knowing your offense is built around a quarterback like Kyler Murray? Yeah, it was huge. You know, you can look at all the, the teams that are playing in late January and February, and I think the, the constant is good offense and defensive lines. You know, it's a big man's game, and and uh, we had a few, you know, things that we wanted to address, but just the caliber of person that Paris is and the caliber of player that he is, um, I was extremely, you know, extremely pleased that we got him on board. So um, he impressed us. You know, we did at the Combine, we talked to him, and then we brought him in on a top 30, and, you know, everyone that you talk to that's been around him, you know, no, they're all, you know, he obviously is a plus 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 character and player and all that. So that was important to us and really think that uh, he has a really good chance to help us win some games. JJ, what are your thoughts in regard to Isaiah Simmons and not picking up his fifth year option? How involved were you in that? What do you have to say in regard to that? Yeah, I, um, you know, I had a really good talk with Isaiah, and and really, he's he's been awesome since we've been here, and um, I don't think it changes really anything that what he's trying to do and what we're trying to do. So, um, you know, we're in lockstep of how we need to go about our business on a daily basis to help, you know, our team win. And, and to help him out too so um, like where his mindset is at and uh, I feel very comfortable with how we handled that when do you get to the point where you have a sense for how you want to use him on the field I know it's tough stepping in where you know he's going into a big year for himself and it's it's your first year coaching him so there's you probably don't know yet but but when do you have a sense for how you want to use him yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of figuring that out right now. You know, that's what spring ball is for. So, you know, he's in meetings. He'll get on the practice field here pretty soon. And, you know, we just got to feel what, see what he's comfortable doing, you know, his skill set, how he fits into the defense, how we want to deploy people, and not just him, but the other people around him too. So um, we'll, we, we don't have to make that decision yet, but we're starting to get a little bit of an idea of, you know, what he's comfortable with, how he sees himself being deployed, what he can do. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about Isaiah. J.J., this is just me. It really is. You know, you've got this guy that is so talented. He, he, he is an incredible freak when it comes to being a football player. You want to move him all over the place. I, for me, I'd love to see him put at one position and said, hey, you know what, Isaiah, this is where you're going to play. <laughs> and so that he would know, right, that he would know this is where you're going to play and That's what right. is going to be expected of of him yeah Why am I wrong about yeah that, that's, that's right that's right I think all our players I think if you just define their role and they understand their roles very specifically and very clearly then they can take off and not to say that people's roles don't change as you get going um, but uh, like I said we got a pretty clear vision of how we want to use them but we need to see them get on the grass and execute some things and do some things but uh, you know I think all our players and coaches included you know we're going to use people how we think 
best fits us, the Arizona Cardinals, to win games. Mm-hmm. And that's first and foremost. And then from there, they just have to understand how they fit into that and are they comfortable doing it. So, you know, I've been around some guys that have pretty unique skill sets before and certain guys, you know, they get comfortable in one spot and then you can kind of move them around. Certain guys will say, yeah, you can do this, this, and this with me, but I'm not comfortable doing this. And we, you know, if they're not comfortable, we're not going to put them in their spot. That's our job. So um, it'll be a little bit of a process as we get going, but I feel really good about the plan for him moving forward. Talking to Cardinals head coach, Jonathan Gannon. Uh, Coach, you know, you you walk into this situation and, you know, the DeAndre Hopkins situation seemingly up in the air and even Buda Baker there for a little bit. How how eager are you to just kind of get out there on the field and start to figure out where everybody fits in with this team? Yeah, that's what we've been. That's a good question. That's what we've been doing. You know what I mean? Those last couple weeks here, we've been on the grass with those guys, and I think they appreciate being on the grass with us and starting to learn some new techniques and what's going to be asked of them and, you know, getting an introduction to scheme. Um, So I, you know, I'm excited for everybody to get on the grass together when it's go time and we got to, you know, one day at a time get a little bit better and, and see where that puts us. How do you manage that situation, JG? Is that something you want to get up in front of the team and address them? Yeah, I think it, it's it's not hard to manage situations when you're honest and open and, yeah. and you just communicate clearly with guys. And I think that um, that the team knows that ultimately we have the players' best interests in our hearts, and uh, they've started to feel that, I believe. But uh, if it comes from a place of that and honesty with you know how you deal with the players and what you say to the players, and hey, this is where we're at, and this I know where. This is where you're at, but you know we gotta come to you know a solution of sorts to make sure that we're doing what's best for you and the team. So feel really good about that with all our guys right now. So JG, um, this is gonna sound weird, but um, I know fans. Um, I've been in the stadium many, many times. Sometimes as a player, I was in the crowd. <laughs> I was twice, and and I'm not happy to say it. I'm not proud of it, but twice I was actually in the stands trying to punch some fans in the face um can i ask you jg are you surprised by the level of animus that's directed toward you in philadelphia and does does that affect you at all no i would say this i mean i you know i got nothing but great feelings um for philadelphia you know they're the one of the major reasons i'm sitting in this seat right now is because of my two years there and you know my family and you know myself we both enjoyed the city and it's a passionate fan base that's why it's a hard place to go play um that's it they expect a lot out of their teams as they should that's why it's one of the best fan bases in the nfl but um like i said i got nothing but love and gratitude for them and i loved my time in philly you guys know that and i've talked about that um and like i said i'm very grateful to that city and that organization because it's one of the reasons i'm sitting here well, Coach, we appreciate the time and the honesty today. Good luck with everything going forward, all right? I appreciate you guys. When are we going to talk again? Yeah, I don't know, man, but I look forward to shaking your hand, JJ. I need to get I need to get in the studio. I want a studio invite. It kind of pisses me off you haven't invited me to the studio. <laughs> all right, we'll get on that. Oh, we'll talk about the violence. Yeah, I love that. That's right. That That's good, right. There you go. A little violence. You guys need a little violence in your life. <laughs> all right, guys. Have a good one. I appreciate it. All right, you too. Take care. That's uh, Cardinals head coach Jonathan Gannon joining us right there 
on the Arizona Sports Line. Well, I don't think we've had a lot of guests tell Wolf that Wolf needs more violence. Yeah, right. Of course, it's all within the context of the game of football, Basinonians. Remember that, please. Uh, we will react to what uh, Cardinals head coach Jonathan Gannon he just said a lot right there, actually. We'll react to that in a little bit. When we come back, though, we're going to get back over to basketball. What is missing on this Phoenix Suns team? Are they just simply too top-heavy? That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Nuggets now. All right, welcome back to the show. Thanks to Jonathan Gannon for joining us last segment. Like I said, we'll uh, cut up some of that sound and react to it here in about 15 minutes. You can listen to the whole interview, of course, on the uh, podcast. Well, if you know how to find the podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're yeah, a big podcast, podcast guy. I, yeah. I am. Well, I am. You know, the three wolves. Yes, indeed. Big See, you're on a podcast. Yes. You don't know how to listen to a podcast. Yes. You're right about that. Okay, well, that's fair. I, th- I think the Pash Pod, though, at Pash Pod, no, it's not that. It's the Dave uh, Pash oh, podcast. Yeah, the, the Dave Pash <laughs> podcast. Okay. He had Monty Austin for it on today. Monty, Monty, yeah, we got Monty. got covered from all angles. Uh, to basketball. And the the game last night, the Suns end up uh, dropping to down 2-0 in this series. And there are a lot of different elements to it, obviously. I feel like they improved a lot of, of what was missing in game one. My biggest concern with this team going forward, and I, I don't know how you really fix it. In fact, we kind of asked, I asked Jay Williams about it earlier today. He's like, yeah, you're kind of in a catch-22. You can't really fix your depth mid-playoff series. You, you really can't. You hope that you can find the right places to put all the pieces, and maybe you get more out of your depth. But right now, that has not been the case for the Suns. Four points off the bench last night oh. 71 bench minutes four points and we were looking at this earlier if if you just set the big four aside we'll see you set KD and Booker DeAndre Ayton and Chris Paul aside nobody else on the team even scored more than two points in fact only three guys scored two points yes <laughs> the rest of the team combined for six points over 93 minutes of, of basketball I, I just can't even believe it every time you say that I can't believe it their bench is really hurting them right now based on Ron Wolfley reporting the bench this postseason has been outscored 223 to 100 think about that you were minus 113 points this postseason the bench that's awful uh, oh my goodness they were one of eight in the first half for two points and it wasn't like the denver nuggets were ripping it up either they were four of eight for eight points so you said, okay, 113 points, and they have played now seven games. No, no, wait a minute. I said that wrong. It's 123 points. That's even worse. See, the math part of it again, just totally the got math me. of I'm it sorry all. about that. Well, 223 to 100, they've been outscored. So they're their bench. basically spotting teams 17 points a game. Yes. Yeah. They're basically going into the game and saying, okay, your starters versus our starters, but you're up 17 nothing. 
That's basically what's happening. Oh, my goodness. Did you do that math right there on your head? Well, you Momentary. changed the numbers on me, so I had <laughs> I to alter it. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Okay, I see you. Yes. Um, that is awful. That is awful. You're starting right games down 17 nothing. Yes. Um, look, they have issues. The Suns have issues, Ron Wolfley reporting, especially when you think of the injury with CP3 now. The yeah. Suns the Suns are up against it and they know they're up against it. Their bench is a liability. I I didn't see it being the liability to the degree in which it has been. I, I did not see that at first going into the postseason. I thought for sure that we'd get much better play from some of these guys. That guys like Terrence Ross would get the opportunity to continue to play. That campaign would suddenly look like campaign and what campaign did in the postseason two years ago. Terrence Ross has played nine minutes in the playoffs. Five in game one against the Nuggets and four in game one against the Clippers. They're dealing with inconsistencies in performance as well. And I think the tip of the spear see DeAndre Ayton at that point in time. Their offense has a tendency to get stagnant. Their, their defense will disappear from time to time. Yeah. Disappears. That's why last night was so disheartening to me. The Suns, I thought, they were ready to play, and they played well, especially on the defensive end of the floor. They played well. Their intensity was there. Their effort was there. They were locked in. And suddenly it got sideways at the worst time. It could get sideways well, and the it, fourth quarter. It's changing from game to game, too. I mean, Monty Williams did not play Landry Shamit one minute last night. And I know that's something a lot of people wanted. And I'm sure Monty Williams is like, okay, we're not getting the production out of this guy. And, and, you know, after the previous two games where they had given up, what was it, 255 points in the last game against the Clippers and the first game against the Nuggets, he clearly put more of an emphasis on defense. And, like, Damian Lee, I thought, played well last night. He just didn't hit any shots. Uh, and that's obviously the most important part with Damian Lee. But, you know, T.J. Warren's played six minutes in the playoffs. Terrence Ross has played nine minutes in the playoffs. After last night's game, it's easy to look at them and say, you got to play those guys because you're not getting any scoring outside of your main four guys. But after the previous game, scoring wasn't really the issue. The previous game was like, you can't keep letting the other team score 125, 130 points a game. you got to play these guys. And the problem is, and this is what is so frustrating about it, you could see this coming because when Kevin Durant got hurt, and this I know this is part of the, the perils of trading for a guy at the trade deadline that's as big as he is, they, the rest of the team has never figured out its rotation around Kevin Durant. Yeah, Devin Booker knows what to do, but there's six guys off the bench or even the fifth starter don't they don't know consistently what their role is from night to night, and that is absolutely showing in this series. Yes, it is. How do they get out of this, Luke? That is the question right now. So many people are talking about. You're down 0-2 in this series. I'm not giving up on the Phoenix Suns. Are you kidding me right now? Okay, yeah, it's going to be tough. you got to win four of the next five. You got to win four of the next five. Are the Suns capable of doing that? Yes, they are. There's no denying that. They've got to hold serve. They got to come back here, games three and game four at the Footprint Center. They've got to win. They got to win those games, even the series up at two. And now it's a whole new series. You have to, you have to reset and, and compartmentalize, if you will, your brain. 
as to how you're going to psychologically do this. To me, if I'm the Suns and I'm Monty, and this is what a head coach does many, many times, he, he shapes it up, he frames up your philosophy and your psychology going forward. This is the way I want you guys to think. Come back here, defend your territory. Win game three and game four. It's a whole new series. It's tied up at 2-2. No harm, no foul at that point in time. Now you got to win two of three. It's, a, it's step one and then step two. You just saw Golden State do it. You just saw it within the last two That's weeks. Right. Golden State did it. And, and you That's came right. in, into this season basically trying to follow the Golden State model of making sure you're peaking at the right time. It does not feel like they're peaking right now. Obviously, they've lost two straight games. But I do think there is an element to this team of if they can win on Friday. And if, if, if you can win the two at home and push this and it becomes a longer series, I, I do feel like the Suns are getting better overall. The the more they get to play together. Last night, I thought they played a pretty good game. They just couldn't hit shots. Yes, that, that, that's yes. not, that could happen. See, that's the thing you don't really worry about, right? Hitting shots. Because you can't. Especially when it's KD. No, yeah, there you don't even worry about it. And I'm not worried about it. Are you worried about KD like, all of a sudden being in a shooting slump on Friday? I'm not. No. But I'm just worried that they can't. I said with certitude. You really did. <laughs> no. <laughs> Never. Uh, but you can't. You can't guarantee they're going to get back in that position. They got themselves in the position last night where it basically boiled down to if Kevin Durant can hit some shots, we're going to win this game. And the ultimate anomaly, the one thing that you really didn't get right last night was Kevin Durant couldn't hit shots. I'm confident he'll be hitting the shots on Friday. The question is, can you get everything else back into the position where it means you're going to win a game? Guess we'll find out. Yeah, ever since you said that with certitude, you went quiet over I know. <laughs> Just she freak yourself out. Just kind of yeah, the way I said it. No. <laughs> text us your thoughts to the Fanville text line at six twenty six twenty. Right now, we come back. We'll react to what Cardinals head coach Jonathan Gannon just told us in the last uh, segment. It's Wolf and Luke at Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. KG. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Welcome back to the show. It is Wolf and Luke on a Tuesday afternoon. Jonathan Gannon joined us earlier this hour. You can hear the full interview on ArizonaSports.com. You can just listen to the Wolf and Luke podcast. Uh, but let's, we didn't get a chance to react to it, obviously, in the moment, Wolf, because that would have been weird if we asked him a question and then uh, he has to sit there and yeah. listen to us react to it right. with each other. But now we can react to it. So okay. let's, let's start with the tampering stuff because this is the first time anybody has gotten to ask Jonathan Gannon about that. That came out uh, right going into the draft last Thursday. This is what he had to say. Yeah, guys, I appreciate the question. You know, I know Monty addressed it, but basically similar to what Monty said. Obviously, it was a mistake, and we own that. Um, you know, right after the NFC Championship game, Monty had reached out, you know, and congratulated us, and he's been to a couple Super Bowls, so gave me a little heads up of what that looks like, and, you know, basically just said, hey, look, we're going through a coaching search right now, as you know, as you know, and uh, didn't know the timing that everything was going to take place, and basically asked if I was interested if the timing you know prolonged after the Super Bowl that if I would be interested to interview and I said yeah and um, so um, you know again I know it was a mistake but we resolved it and uh, we're moving on there you have it right there 
they responded. Monty responded pretty pretty well, I would say, on draft night after that. And we talked about this in the moment on Thursday. You're going into your first draft as an NFL general manager, and that's the news that comes out right before the draft starts. I can't, I can't even imagine. Yeah, it's just the pall that we all felt over the draft. And especially when the Cardinals traded out mm-hmm. of number three and Will Anderson was there. And you know how much I love Will Anderson. Yet at the same time, the collection of picks that they got moving down to 12, um, I was okay with it. I was okay with it. I, I could see why they did what they did. I wasn't crazy about it. I didn't feel great about it, but I felt okay that, okay, that's what you got, and that's what you did. But then when he moved back up to six, that blew my mind right there. I, I did the math on this earlier. Uh, I haven't done it for the second part yet, but just the trade down with Houston, you yeah. know, the, 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 you know, the draft chart that's out there with point value assigned to the each The Jimmy pick. Johnson chart. Yes. The yes. teams use, right? I mean, that's yes. not, yeah. So no, no, use. they use. Um, and we, we, you can't. It's tough to put the value on what Houston's first and third round picks are going to be next year because there's not a specific pick set. But I, so I just put them each as, as fifth, a fifth in the first round and fifth in the uh, in the third round, right? Okay. Just to do that, the Cardinals gave up two thousand two hundred eighty four points in that trade, yeah. and got back three thousand seven hundred thirty five <sighs> just in the Houston trade. Slam dunk. So, just moving back to 12 yes, is what you're saying. Because of all the other stuff they got. Getting the first rounder next year is obviously the difference maker. Getting probably a high third rounder in addition to only moving down to 12, not so, dropping out of the round. Once again, that that's why I was okay because I knew, oh my goodness, they, they got a lot of stuff back. But it was Will Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> it was Will Anderson. I think Luke. I'm still in denial about the it fact was that they Will Anderson. Will and you, exactly. And that, that was the reason why I was like, okay with it, even though, to your point, it was a slam dunk that they moved down, Well, especially that they moved back up. Once they moved back up, I felt a lot better about it, but in terms of just the points on that draft board the teams use, mathematically, it, it was it was a good move right there because That's of what they got what next I'm saying. year. Yeah. yeah, it was a great move, mathematically. So think about that first hour, though, where if you're Monty Austinfort, the, the agreement with the Eagles comes out. Oh, and by the way, the draft's starting. And then the draft's starting, and you're trading down and then trading back up. All, this is all basically within an hour of real time, right? Yes. Uh, so we, we asked Jonathan Gannon about the tampering stuff. You heard his answer right there. Uh, how about this, though? <laughs> I hope this is the right cut. Talking about being in the room with Monty as he's making all these trades. Yeah, it was awesome, you guys. That was, you know, that was my first time to be in that room the entire time, being a first-time head coach, and uh, just to see that process and how it played out, and um, you know, Monty and his staff did an excellent job. And I'll be honest, you guys, I was getting a little nervous. We we're on the clock, and he had three phone calls going, and uh, I didn't know exactly how that worked. I said, "Oh boy, we're we're less than two minutes here." It felt like a two-minute drill, but. Uh, um, yeah, they, you know, he was very adaptable and and had, you know, a couple different plans of action, what he wanted to do, and uh, just extremely fortunate to watch that and, uh, you know, the, the everybody that had input into that entire process, and my, my and his staff obviously did an excellent job. And we wondered about that, didn't we? Like, how, yeah. you got you got 10 minutes to, to pull all this off? How many teams are you talking to right now? Right. Yeah, I know, man. It, it must have been incredible, the head coach, of course coaches for the most part base earnings are not allowed 
in the draft room, the war room, right? They're not allowed. Uh, some teams, I'm sure, allow their coaches, but not a lot of them, okay? You've got your scouts, of course. You've got uh, your general manager. you got your front office personnel. And then maybe your head coach. Is, what, what's is the thinking behind not having the head coach in there? I, I, well, the head coach, no, I think. Oh, okay, coach. you're saying the other no, I'm coach. saying yeah. the other coaches. Okay. You yeah. Don't, yeah, you don't want them coming in. A lot of these coaches yeah. sometimes say. We really need another running they back. Get, exactly. They get very <laughs> passionate about the position that they're coaching. That and makes you don't sense. want any screaming and yelling. You don't, you don't need too many voices in there when you've got 10 minutes to make three trades. The only thing better than being in the war room, I think, on draft day, would actually be in a game plan uh, day on Wednesday. Just being in a room, listening to a professional coach address his team talking about the game plan and what we're going to do to these guys and how we're going to bury them and you know what oh then to break up that would be the only thing better is actually breaking up into a meeting room a position room and listening to an NFL coach grease it up on the board and say now we're going to watch some tape I, I honestly if I was able to do that I'd just sit there you sound like your impression of CJ Jay Stroud yesterday. Well, I'd, I'd be, I'd, I'd, that's how I'd feel. Okay, great. Honestly, doesn't it sound like? Why Shrek do we act swimming? like children around here? You, you know, um, you know, if you make a sound like that into a microphone, they're gonna cut it. I, you know, give it to me one more time. A lot of people don't know about Ron Wolfley. Is this guy is the best fullback in the National Football League? <laughs> <laughs> you have to know, right? When you say something, and I completely stop talking so that I'm not like I'm not messing up with the recording. Yeah, right. Then you know that they're yeah, cutting. you're you're on to me. Okay, yeah. great, but that would be fantastic. Do you have any other JG? JG? Yeah, let's. Uh, got to say it that way too. And yeah, JG. How about uh, the decision to not pick up Isaiah Simmons' fifth year option? Yeah, I, um, you know, I had a really good talk with Isaiah, and and really he's he's been awesome since we've been here, and um, I don't think it changes really anything that what he's trying to do and what we're trying to do. So, um, you know, we're in lockstep of how we need to go about our business on a daily basis to help you know our team win and and to help him out too. So, um, like where his mindset is at, and uh, I feel very comfortable comfortable with how we handled that. Yeah, you know, and that to me right there is we're going to have to wait and see. Time will tell on Isaiah Simmons. I love this for Isaiah. Can I just tell you that right now? I love it for him. Isaiah Simmons. This guy that is all of these gifts, all of this talent, this this freak of nature, and I use that in a very complimentary kind of way. Here he is, and he's going to be he's going to be put in a position where you didn't pick up his fifth year option, and, and now he's going to be highly motivated, and he's going to be focused, and all of a sudden the intensity level is going to come out. What what might this teach Isaiah Simmons? What could this possibly teach him? I, I don't know, but it might be the light bulb, the proverbial light bulb that he needs to come on in the shed for him and his career going forward. Suddenly, the sense of urgency brought to somebody so talented, he could be all that everyone thought he might be when he was taken number eight overall.
Yeah, to me, one of the biggest, maybe the biggest story going into the Cardinals season. I mean, there's still got time before the season starts, and I know when Kyler comes back is going to be a big one. But but big picture with the Cardinals, who seem to be a team that is looking big picture. I think you've you've got to not only get the the most out of Isaiah Simmons, you then need to keep him. This is this is one of the the good picks that you have had over the the last regime. You don't just get rid of it. You don't. And now it's a fine line you have to walk because you you need to get him playing great football and then you need to convince him to stay here because other teams are going to want him when this is all said and done. It's not about just the big play and making big plays. It's about every play. How consistent are you? Score the hottest ticket in town, Suns playoff tickets. This is going to happen tomorrow. Just text TICKET to 62620, register, and listen for your name starting tomorrow during the 7 a.m., noon and five o'clock hours for your chance to qualify for tickets to see the suns take on the denver nuggets again that's ticket to 620 620 when we come back it's not a great spot down 2-0 how much trouble are the suns in now it's wolf and luke on arizona sports the local sports leader arizona sports the home of phoenix suns basketball Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Nuggets now. Well, it's going to be awkward, Wolf, because uh, they're running a Fast and Furious marathon on one of these TVs. Yeah. So when I'm just sitting in here watching TV for the next 12 hours while Burns and Gabo try and do their show, that's going to be awkward. What do you got? You got that over there for the Suns? What are you talking about? Uh, well, how do you feel about the Suns down 2-0? Oh, we actually got the same one at the same time. No way. That was, Did you play it too? Yeah. Oh. Then what are the odds of that? Like, we have um, no control over... <laughs> yeah, that's kind of weird, Luke. Like most things on the show, clearly we have no control over it. It, it really it. is weird. You're so weird, Luke. Did, did you, uh, um, before we get into the Suns, did you get your uh, answer on, on uh, Isaiah Simmons? If he's going to worry, if he's going to play one position or multiple positions? <laughs> I was growing. I think JG, you got coached right there. JG, you are so good, man. And speaking median... I'm not only going to answer your question, I'll give you six answers. <laughs> How does that feel? I, I, I don't. How many people do you know can do as many jobs as they were asking Isaiah Simmons to do? I can think of two off the top of my head. Devin Booker, Aaron Maloney. The only two people that do everybody's job at their job. That was well played, yes. And, and Devin Booker is going to be asked to do potentially uh, even more oh, on boy. Friday night. So and we can wrap up the show uh, here today. Obviously, the Suns are in some level of trouble. They're down 2-0 in the series, and their point guard is hurt. Just how much trouble are they in is, is really the question. Yeah. Um, are the Suns in trouble? Maybe, Basinonians. Uh, if they feel like they're in trouble... They can still win this series if they feel that urgency, if they if they feel that way. A lot of professional athletes, based on means they they don't want to feel that way because I listen. I'm confident. I'm under control. I'm in control. You don't want to feel like you're out of control ever. You don't. I've got this. You want to feel that way, but you've got to learn how to feel that way and be confident. But you got to learn how to feel that way and be confident while you tell the truth. And being down 0-2 is not good. 
and you're up against it. And just because you're coming back for games three and four does not mean you're automatically going to win those games. Uh, and I, I don't so, know about you, but did you watch the first two games and think, ah, you know, the Suns lost these games because they were in Denver? I didn't. I, I mean, home court, home court matters, but yeah. it's not everything. Yep. Uh, this you want to talk about uh, telling the truth? Here's Kevin Durant after the game last night. There's no moral victories around this time, so uh, just got to watch film, see how we can get better for Game Three, protect our home floor. That's it, right there. They got better, but um, you don't have a lot of games, so there is no moral victory. This is this is not Game 17 of 82 games. You're a new team. Hey, this is great. You know, look, we're starting to figure it out around KD. Yeah, you lost, and you can only lose three, and you've already lost two. Yes, that I, I love what you just said right there. Quickly. Because um, once again, I think there's this. Hey, they were twelve and one with KD. They were twelve and one mm-hmm. with Kevin Durant in their lineup. That makes you think. Oh, look at what everyone's saying about us. By the way, you know they were the favorites on FanDuel. I mean, look at us. Why wouldn't we be? I'm guessing they're not now. I'm going to go ahead and take a look. No, while you're I know. But right, stop and think about this. This is if if the Suns are thinking, hey, we've got KD and Book, we're fine. Everybody relax. That's that's not the way you want to think, basic audience. No way. If they think that way, um, this series is over, save for the pomp and circumstance. But if they feel like, you know what, we we need to pick it up. By the way, our intensity level and the defense that we played in Game 2 needs to be our baseline going forward. The physicality of that game needs to be who we are going forward. And oh, by the way, make some shots. That combination is a winning combination. Defense and making shots. Not going 10 of 27. Mm, no, that's not making shots. And just to update you on FanDuel, I'm looking right now. Celtics are favored to win the title. Okay. Then Denver. Then Golden State. I'm surprised Golden State's down there. Uh, Philadelphia. Then the Lakers and Suns are tied. Wow. The Lakers and Suns have the same odds. Okay. And the Lakers haven't even played a game Last yet. week... Before they were playing. they were favored to win the West. They were second to Milwaukee, right. and then Milwaukee lost. So then they were favored second to Boston to win the West. Yeah. Now they are, uh, even though they were not favored to win Game One against yeah, Denver. That was, that was Interesting. Odd. They they are uh, favored to not win the West right now. Here's uh, Devin Booker on embracing the challenge of being down 0-2. I mean, the playoffs is a lot. Um, a lot comes with this, so. You know, you just have to embrace it, you know, embrace the challenge, um, embrace the opportunity that we have right now, um, even down 0-2, um, get back home, protect our home court, and go from there. But, you know, a lot is on all of our plates, and that's everybody throughout the playoffs right now. See, I love that right there, the way Book just broke that down. You know what, um, embrace home court, take care of business, and then go from there. He's talking about step one. Step one, framing it up the psychology of this series, the psychology of sport. I love it. Here's what you got. We got to go home. We got to defend home court. And if we just do that, if we just focus on that, now all of a sudden it's going to be 2-2, and then we go from there. It's a brand new series. It's a two-step process. I love it. If you could get it to that point, and that's a it's not even one big if, it's two big ifs, but if you could somehow get it to that point, wouldn't Denver be thinking, 
Like, wait a minute. <laughs> we had these guys 2-0, and now they've won two in a row. They've won two in a row. Uh, but you got to win two in a row first, yes. obviously. Uh, well, we've, they could be thinking at that point in time, well, we still have two more home games, too. Good for them. Here's, here's one more from Devin Booker. I love it. Um, you know, I just love playoff basketball. That's the first thing I said when I got in the locker room. Like, you, you just have to love this brace it. Um, you know, there's not many people that get the chance to do what we're doing, play in the highest level of basketball. So compete at the highest level. Don't forget to have fun with it. Um, and just get after it every time we get a chance. This is what we do, man. This is what we do. We're professional athletes. We go out and we compete and we get paid a whole lot of money to go out and do it. Embrace the sucking of buttermilk, if you know what I mean. Embrace it. It's like Tony LaRusso once said, embrace pressure. Make it your friend. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's psychology once again. Uh, the psychology of it's real interesting because I wonder how much of that is Booker. And just the way he was raised, and I think I think that's a lot of it. But also, I, I, I always go back to his first few years in this league with the Suns. You know, there's pressure. Right? He was the 13th overall pick, so there's pressure to become the player he was. But he wasn't getting to play in pressure-packed games because the games by February were meaningless every year. And so he he plays like a guy who it's a playoff game. We lost. He's mad, obviously they lost, but as he's playing, he plays like a guy that appreciates that he's out there during the playoffs. He really yes. does. Yeah, how many other true star players in the league are you gonna hear? How many just players are you gonna hear saying stuff like that? Like Dylan Brooks. You think Dylan Brooks is saying that after a playoff game? Man. No, he's got eight sunglasses on talking about how rough he has it. Yes. And how he shouldn't get he shouldn't get suspended for punching a guy where you're not supposed to punch a guy. By the way, how is Dylan doing? Uh he's not gonna miss? play for Memphis oh, next year. That's all I we see. Know. Guaranteed. Uh, well, according to Memphis, he's not gonna be playing for Memphis. They were they were pretty clear about that. I'm guessing he's not going to be playing for the Lakers with LeBron either. So there's yeah. maybe 28 others. Taylor Jackson said beat it. Uh, Alright, that's it for us. Thanks to Aaron Maloney, uh, Jesse Morrison behind the glass. For Wolf, I'm Luke. We got Burns and Gambo next right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.